a moment or two to the angry young man With his foot in his mouth and his heart in his hand He's been stabbing the back, he's been misunderstood It's a comfort to know his intentions are good And he sits in a room with a lock on the door With his knives and his medals laid out on the floor And he likes to be known as the angry young man Hey everybody and welcome to episode 28 of Not All Bad Once again uh, we have a guest on the show, and I'm very excited for him to introduce himself in a second. But first, uh, I am Zach Andrews, your host. This is Paul Messman, your other host. Oh, and the, I guess that's my cue. This is this is Travis. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the show, Travis. Uh, so this is the third time, if you include Paul, that we've had a fellow uh, Mugdown member, former Mugdown member on the show. Um, so welcome, Travis. That's That's how you know Paul and I. Um, from way back when. Yeah, uh, a view behind the but, curtain. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, a little bit of history there. So, uh, if this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Um, we're here to rant about a couple things. Uh, first, each of us are gonna talk about um, something that makes us mad, and then we'll each take a turn talking about something that made us happy. Um, you can find the show on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes. Um, what's the other one? Am I forgetting one? I know I am. You said you it's said Spotify. Google Play. Spotify, Spotify that's is, the one. We are rusty today. <laughs> oh boy. Um and we're on Twitter at not all bad show and you can email us at not all bad show at gmail.com uh, especially if you are wanting to contribute random rant ideas which we are in desperate need of or if you are interested in being a guest on the show like Travis not all bad show at gmail.com. With all that out of the way, um, we can get into the rants pretty early now because uh, we just we cut the bullshit today. All right, it's it's time to get mad. <laughs> Travis is here. No no bullshit this morning. Um, I guess. Do you remember who started last time, Paul? So, Was it so, me or you? So no improv or no no play acting for for the intro this week. <laughs> yeah, we we typically don't want to subject our guests to that. I mean, if you got some, if you got I'll, an improv scene, you're we, just dying to do. I'll follow. I'll we, follow we along. I'll file away my, my Ulysses S. Grant impersonation. So. Oh no! Well, you don't have to do that. Go oh, ahead. Man. I'm, I'm going to yes and you. <laughs> All right. Nope. It's already put away. <laughs> it's it's long oh, gone. Bummer. What a waste. Oh man, we should have taken advantage of that. <clears throat> Zach, I think, I think you went first last time, so I believe it's me first I this agree. time. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Cool. Uh, so there have been a handful of rants that I have thought of over the past several months and then tossed aside because I didn't want to come across like I was humble bragging. Mm. But you know what? I'm just going to throw them all together into one big old humble brag rant wow. uh, where I I inadvertently admit to the, the nice technology I have in order to complain about it. So the the first and main one is uh, so I have an Apple Watch I have I uh, for close to a year now, and there's actually a lot of things that annoy me about this piece of technology. Uh, the main one is that it passive aggressively tries to make me feel like a piece of shit. Uh, it it the whole big thing with Apple Watches is about like activity and making sure you're getting enough exercise time and calories burnt. And it's if I am behind if I'm behind schedule on burning calories, it will send me things like, "Whoa, hey there, uh, 
you're usually like way more active by this time of day. Like what's happening? Get out there and be active. I'm just sitting at my desk at work. Like, well, I can't just like jump and run around this office. And then at the end of the day, sometimes like based on how many, it'll do a calculation around 11 PM of how many calories I need to burn to reach my goal each week. And it'll, and it'll tell me at like 11 PM as I'm like getting ready for bed. Like, Hey, if you just go for a brisk 45 minute walk, you could reach your <laughs> goals for the day. And it's, <laughs> It's a little demeaning when I realize that I've, that means I've done literally nothing all day, <clears throat> except work, except uh, earn that coin. That's that's very true. Oh. That's allowed. Um, <laughs> just, just one thing: <laughs> breathe. Yeah, take a moment to breathe. <laughs> now would be a good moment to stand up and stretch. Oh my god! <laughs> Speaking of being told to stand, <laughs> so I I frequently tell where my app washed to bed because it will track my sleep. Um, which sounds great, Noel. Well, Paul, I, I, I also be... track your sleep. You never ask me for help. I've got all the data. <laughs> Do you have your finger to the pulse, to my pulse, so to, to tell when I've yes. drifted off? You're a very heavy sleeper. <laughs> I am, but uh, right before I'm getting into that heavy sleep, frequently my watch will buzz on my wrist and jolt me awake to tell me, hey, now would be a great time to stand and reach that stand goal for the day. Uh, because it, it, it wants you to stand for like at least like once an hour for 12 hours a day. And it's especially obnoxious if I'm up at like 2am because it's like, it, it, it knows that I haven't stood at all. It resets at midnight. So it knows I haven't stood all that day. So like the second that I'm about to fall asleep, it's always like, Hey man, you seem pretty still. You should really stand up Wait, and does, uh, get active a little it bit. does night too. If you wear it at night, it it will still occasionally tell you, like, hey, you should... I think it's it's usually, like, soon after I've gone to bed, like, it thinks I'm still awake and active. It will tell me I'll get a vibration on my wrist. I don't even know if it necessarily expects you to wear it to bed. That might be the issue here, <laughs> uh, even though there are apps made for it that track your sleep. Um, and it will tell me to stand up. So it will wake me up and tell me to stand up when I'm trying my hardest to fall asleep. It's very frustrating. <laughs> what does it mean to try your very hardest to fall asleep? Can you give me a sliding scale of what would be like not trying very hard versus trying your absolute hardest to fall asleep? <laughs> All right. So not trying very hard would be I am on my phone and looking at things and wondering why I'm not tired at all. <clears throat> That's probably... Uh, on the the end I, of the scale, I would argue that, that I I would argue that anything less than uh, like you you have to you basically have to be have to have your eyes closed at least right you can't be doing another activity your intention has to be to sleep for this this question to work like I, I could say right now that yeah right now I'm not trying very hard to sleep because I'm recording a podcast that's not really a fair. <laughs> That, that That is on okay. the same level as you laying in bed looking at your phone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know what you're saying, but let's say you've gotten in bed and you've tried to sleep for 20 minutes and you're just bored because you don't feel like you're tired enough to fall asleep. And then you pull out your phone because you're trying to just like eat at the time until your body will be tired. I feel like that is a very passive way to get yourself ready to sleep. Okay. You're trying to be uh, tired. But it's, a, it's, a, not, it's not an effective way. Right. All right. Well... Well, anyways, I you're just gonna, okay. when I'm trying hard to sleep. <laughs> okay, all right, fine. Y'all aren't wrong. Y'all aren't wrong. I I feel. <laughs> 
You're not wrong at all. But when I'm trying hard to sleep, what I mean is, even though I don't feel tired, I am in bed, closing my eyes, fighting the urge out of my boredom. Like, this is on a particular night when I am having a hard time falling asleep. I'm fighting the urge to look at my phone because it's like, no, I need to have my eyes closed and be attempting to sleep. I'm trying to remain still and, and, and just like praying that somehow my body will be like, oh, yes, it is time to sleep. And then the moments it's most frustrating, if you've ever like struggled to fall asleep, you could feel your body finally like calming down. Like, all right, I can feel my body moving towards sleeping. This might be about to happen. And then a, any single distraction can disturb that very delicate process. That's always the worst. And yeah. You, and, and your watch buzzing is, is definitely a disturbance. <laughs> but uh, do, do you guys have any, any technology that, that, that frustrates you? I know that. Okay. That's a very general question. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do you have any technology that you're almost embarrassed to admit that you have, and it seems lame to complain about? Uh, I, I don't have, I, I don't, but I'm not going to humble brag. All right. I don't have the, I don't have a Fitbit or an Apple watch. I, I don't like any, Hey, listen, call me old fashioned. But I call me a boomer. But I prefer just good old fashioned gears and spring watches. And I don't wear that to bed because it can't track my sleep. Because I don't need anybody <laughs> to track my sleep. Either I'm asleep or I'm not. And I'll know how well I slept when I wake up in the morning. I've I'm always <clears throat> curious about like the Apple Watch or really any smart watches. But I'm always hesitant because I always feel like I'm overloaded with notifications to begin with, and. And I try to do my best with like turning notifications off on essentially every app except for like text messages or even like I guess email. But even then, like you're always getting notifications for something, and I'm always worried that like it's going to be overload on my wrist. But I know people say like, oh, seeing the notifications on the watch means you check your phone less. But that's always at least been how I've been telling myself not to get a smartwatch. But I do track my sleep. Um, with my phone, with my alarm clock tracks sleep. Mm-hmm. So I get the like, oh, okay. value of that part. I just, I think it's funny that the watch, I, I'm assuming tracks your sleep. But if you have an app for it, it right? I have, I specifically have an app for it. Um, that, I mean, it's, it seems pretty Apple endorsed cause they'll like advertise it in the, the specific like watch app store. But I don't think the watch itself, unless you get one of those apps, will track your sleep unless I'm missing yeah, something. I, I just know like there's the health app and there are, Apple's always so focused on, you know, like the health data and like wellness and everything. I was just, I'm just it's interesting to hear that it's been almost getting in the way of productive sleep. What they need is they need they need the notification where when you've been tossing and turning for an hour and saying like now's the time to sleep now's the time to sleep they need it to buzz and yeah. be like stop overthinking. <laughs> they they need a notification that just t- yeah exactly they need something that says like have you tried not standing up have you tried just have you tried maybe not breathing that's a quick way to just pass out. <laughs> earlier travis you said uh, overload on my wrist and i wanted to interrupt you but i didn't because i'm polite and say that sounds like my kind of wednesday night but uh, i didn't so <laughs> i've been sitting on that joke and it's just been eating at me for the last like minute and a half and i just i gotta get it out there i for for what it's worth uh travis uh, that was one of my justifications for wanting to get an mm-hmm. apple watch was that in theory i can have my phone out of sight and funnel only 
important notifications to my wrist like texts or calls or things so that if I'm away from my phone, some other notifications that I still allow to come like like Twitter will show up on my phone. But I if I'm not needing my phone, then Twitter won't show up on my watch. So like the idea is I can set my phone aside and only the important notifications will come to my wrist. But in reality, what it really means is that every time I get a text, I'm getting buzzed in two places. Oh, no. Whoa, sounds like I, my kind of Wednesday night. I, I can interrupt you, Paul. I don't feel quite as bad about that. Um, and, and in reality, I am looking at the notifications on my wrist and on my phone. And so actually, it's just like doubled my sensory overload. So you're not wrong. Um, I've... I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in another piece of technology Real that quick, has frustrated like me while say, I'm getting all my. I feel gut. like I'm so addicted to my phone in the daytime that the nighttime is is the one reprieve my body has <laughs> from technology. Your eyes are like, thank God, I got five hours away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> adding a watch to that mix is like my. I just I can't take it. My brain is already fried enough. <laughs> That's pretty fair. Uh, the other humble brag I was going to add in uh, while I'm humble bragging while I'm just getting these out exactly because I, I don't want to dedicate for quite a while any future topics to me bragging about the technology I have. I recently got a new phone uh, and it's great, <laughs> uh, but it just this this screen is large and beautiful, but now I can't reach the top of it. And so I can't easily <laughs> scroll down. Oh. Uh, from that's the top the of my worst. phone, and that's <laughs> it's unfortunate because it's it's a very it, I, like I'm complaining about really having sarcastic. a screen so large and beautiful. But it really no, is, I know, I know. Like I mean, you, for better or worse, we spend so much time on these devices that having mm-hmm. like thumb pain when using the thing that you spend a lot of your day on <laughs> is legitimately bad and annoying. Yeah, definitely, and, and so. On some of the newer iPhones, there's not a home button, which overall does not bother me. But because now swiping up is the equivalent of the home button, a lot of the important like uh, functionalities like accessing the flashlight or the volume or turning on Do Not Disturb, all those different things, you now have to swipe from a different part of the top mm-hmm. of the phone. But also reaching the top has become more difficult. It's it's unfortunate. I, I got a uh, and while I'm on about two weeks ago, good two, two weeks ago or so, and encountered the exact same transition you're describing. And every yeah, time it's, I'm it's like been... oh, swiping the wrong way, or <laughs> have you? Yeah, have you considered putting your phone onto a table and using both of your index fingers like a baby boomer? You know, I've somewhat considered that, but that brings me to my next frustration: is that Ooh. there's this new. Co- fancy technology that uh instead of reading your thumbprint it reads your face which is great uh it's not but at the same time if your phone is on a table you have to and you're you you feel it buzz through the table as you're doing something like on a computer or whatever you're doing and you look over at it you can't see the notifications until you unlock the phone but to unlock the phone it needs to see your face which means you have to shift your entire head to be <laughs> above the phone so that it can read your face to unlock it to reveal what the notifications say <laughs> and that, <laughs> and so I look like an idiot at work cuz I like I'll set my phone to the side cuz I don't want to be distracted but I still have a watch on so nonetheless I'm very distracted well, and then I'll get a buzz, and in order to see the notification, I have to lean my head like three feet away from its natural resting place in my chair 
in order for my phone to acknowledge that this is me and I'm allowed to read whatever notification just arrived. I, I, and it's, I think I just solved oof. your problem, Paul. Uh, it sounds like that you have an issue with not standing up enough at work, and now you have a reason to stand up often at work. <laughs> it's true. You, uh, you sound like my Apple Watch, since it's always scheming to get me to stand uh, at all hours of the stand day. Maybe your Apple Watch should just try... And peer into your device. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It should just send you a message every hour or whatever, and then you'll be forced to do that awkward shuffle to get up and bend over your desk. <laughs> All right. That's, that's, I think maybe this topic will come back again in the future if I have new uh, humble brags. Paul's once humble I get brag new devices, but. But uh, for now, that's all I've got to say. If you guys have anything to add with your device frustrations, let me know. I have added, I have added plenty to this discussion. So, um, Travis, if, if you don't have anything, then I think uh, it's your turn to take it away with your own rant. I believe it is for the inaugural rant. So I figured at some point I would find myself lucky enough to be a guest on this show and so i had a couple things kind of <laughs> floating around the back of my mind and maybe that's why i've been bad about not sending uh random rants in because i'm always like worried that they'll get used and then, them. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, then i won't have anything to rant about so yes it was very selfish of me i know um so you'll get a list once the well, show's you made over. it so it worked out so I, ha- I feel like i had one or two that were kind of floating around there and one day i was in the shower and i was it hit me because I was just the fact I was mad about something and I carried it into the shower and was still mad about it in the shower. I was like, <laughs> wait a second. There's a place for this to be, to be stored. Um, that's always a good test, isn't it? When yeah. you're still pissed in the shower. <laughs> and so obviously this is very related to, I guess someone, our last topic of being on our phones all the time. Um, but so I guess to preface this, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of geography and maps and I think demographic data and whatnot can be interesting, but yeah, nothing drives me more up the wall on social media. Facebook's bad about this and Twitter is especially bad about this. Are everyone sharing the like social media trend maps? Like here's oh, a list of God. your favorite, the favorite fast food yes. chains in every state is the worst one (laughs) and they're always based off of the most bogus data or methodology and i think if any at all and i i I am fully convinced actually i know that a lot of them i mean they're great for clicks they they get passed around they get you know and i think a lot of them are based off of some sort of attempt at information that is just poorly done and poorly executed but a lot of them are definitely Mm -hmm like clickbait and they're just designed to cause a stir. Either they are not a great scientific tool, you know, they're based off of some faulty logic or they're just blatantly outright fake. Like intentionally wrong. Intentionally wrong in order to cause controversy. And the fast food one always comes to mind because you always spot which one is fake for example, with your favorite fast food, inevitably one of these will list In N Out Burger as the favorite fast food chain of Texas. Right. Now we all know how everyone in Texas feels about their local <laughs> hometown Whataburger. Um, when the most fast, the most popular, most trafficked 
establishment in every state is actually McDonald's across all 50 states. Yeah. But even if you said like most popular, best brand or whatever, it's going to be Whataburger in Texas. And even if it wasn't Whataburger, it'd be McDonald's or Burger King or something other than In-N-Out. But they'll put In-N-Out on there just to cause every single person in Texas to say, not in this state. Yeah. You even got Greg Abbott, the <laughs> governor, I was gonna in say. there arguing about it on Twitter. Greg Abbott's ass will be quote-tweeting that so fast. Yeah, somehow he's wrong on the, the subject because <laughs> which gets, which gets in a way that gets everyone else mad. So it's just spiraling out of control. And it just drives me crazy. And all, like a lot of these maps will show the most popular one in Alaska to be Chick-fil-A. And for those of you who don't know, we do not even have Chick-fil-A in Alaska. So that's Exposed. a very clear tell that it's fake. Now... Some of those might even be based off of some decent information, but a lot of them, like I said, are not even real and will just will just cause people to to turn on each other. For example, there's I in doing a little bit of research for this, I pulled up some. Of course, our favorite um, reputable news site on the internet, uh, Bar Barstool Sports, <laughs> did their favorite tailgate food. Now, if you actually read the article associated with it, which, I mean, let's be honest, who does that? Um, it's, all a, it's all a joke, and it's they're using the different tailgate food items in order to poke fun at the locale of, of the region. Like for stereotypes, example, they list I guess. Stereotypes, or, for example, they list the most popular tailgate food in Texas as hummus. Because they know that no one in Texas eats hummus at a tailgate. Uh, but they, you know, they're poking fun in the article. But of course, the image that's associated with it, with the actual map, is never associated with the article. It just gets, you know, copy pasted out, shared. It gets in all the Google. The way I found it was off of Google Images, and so I didn't have any of the context um, until I clicked on it. I was like, "There's no way." They got you and too. You fell for it. It got it got me, and I was I was intentionally looking for this kind of garbage. <laughs> you fell right into the trap. <laughs> The pile of leaves at the hole under it. And I, yeah, I, I went in fully aware and still fell for it. Um, of course, a perennial one as well is the annual most popular, uh, the favorite porn search in your state. Yeah, uh-huh. And this one and some of the others are actually, of course, like, you know, this website has the actual data on its traffic or whatever, like there's ways for them to actually pull data, but it's always just a good excuse for, for uh, people to, you know, call out stereotypes and whatnot. It's just, it's just tribalism. It's in, yeah. Um, and, um, and some, and I guess the final, the final tier is, you know, we've discussed the blatantly fake ones, the ones that are misunderstood or the ones that are true, but just cause controversy. But then the one that always sits in the middle for me that, can be so well-intentioned, but just causes the same exact problems, are the ones that talk about how things are the most popular proportional to other places. For example, every year, 538, an actually very reputable statistics data-oriented site, puts out, and it's almost Thanksgiving, so I saw it recently, so I bookmarked it on Twitter to make sure I remember to talk about it. It's the most popular side dishes of America's regions. Now the sub caption of that is most disproportionately common Thanksgiving side dish by region. 
Now everyone sees the United States broken into six categories. Squash, mac and cheese, roll slash biscuits, cornbread, green beans slash casserole, and salad. And inevitably, everyone goes, who on earth, and it's all the West Coast states, is eating salad at Thanksgiving? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, why would that be your number one pick for a side dish? But that's not what this is. This is the most disproportionately popular. So everyone in the salad state still eats mashed potatoes. They still eat, you know, green beans. They still eat bread. They still eat turkey. All these things. But it's just more popular in these states than, say, squash is, which is very popular in the Northeast. But every year, the same map goes around. It's exhausting. It's not even infuriating anymore. It's exhausting. I don't know if I would... I don't know if the distinction of of bread being a side dish is fair. <laughs> I wouldn't even count it. I, I would say that's not a side dish. That's like an auxiliary or perhaps a food it's almost vehicle. Like it, 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 I was going to say, it's almost like you have, you know, your plate, silverware, you have a roll and a beverage. Naturally, yes. <laughs> It's like saying, yeah, that, that's a good point. That's like saying, uh, that's like having a section of the map that the most popular side dish, uh, disproportionately popular side dish in that region is drink. Is wine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not fair. Yeah, well, it's basically the Great Lakes, Upper Midwest area that's has nothing else, I guess, other than rolls and biscuits. Maybe they just eat several types. Maybe they have yeah, like King's Hawaiian and, and Crescent Rolls and biscuits. To me, to me, it's almost like, obviously, at a, at a Thanksgiving meal, I would expect to have every one of those items. But mm-hmm. I would... With the exception of Thanksgiving, sorry. Do you have squash at your Thanksgiving? Uh, no. Uh, typically not. But I I wouldn't be surprised to see it. Right. Mm -hmm. I would be like. There's only two things that I like. For example, with the exception of maybe mashed potatoes, if I didn't have bread and turkey at a Thanksgiving meal, something is way wrong. Now, I mean, you could mm-hmm. substitute. I know for some reason some people have a very big vendetta against turkey. So, ham, for example. I mean, turkey slash ham and bread. I mean, even like if I didn't, ha- if I showed up to a Thanksgiving, there's no green bean casserole, there's no squash, there was no salad. Like none of that is ruinous to the event. Mashed potatoes is kind of on the edge, but bread I feel like is is a mandatory item. It's a necessity. Above all else, except for turkey Since slash Thanksgiving ham. is approaching, another pretty similar one that I've started seeing going around in like the past week or so is one labeled like the favorite pie for each state. Yeah. And this has been another example of one specifically hoping to get anger because like for Texas, it has key lime pie, which like not that that's a bad pie, but like that's not really typically a thanksgiving pie and like if you look at the map there's like not a single state that has like a pumpkin pie or an apple pie and maybe originally it was one of those things like you're saying like what is the most like disproportionately popular pie in your state compared to the other ones in which case maybe that would make sense because every state probably has 
like the staples of like a pumpkin pie and apple pie, but like which outside of the popular ones is popular. But when when I by the time this image gets to me, there's not a single source. <laughs> it doesn't say how those. Stati- I think that's what bothers me the most. Actually, now that I think about it, is that in theory, I can see why these go viral because it really taps into some of like the best parts of the internet or at least the most popular parts of the internet maybe the internet i should say that like find like you get to have something that either affirms or doesn't your identity as like i'm from texas i wonder what it says about texas and then it's like a lot of people in texas are like what do those dumb californians do over there so that it's like you can then almost angrily look at what like your rival states are also wine. so like i see how it's almost just perfectly manufactured for sharing but if the data was good, and if it let me look into the data, I would have a different outlook on this. But I think that's the thing that makes me the most mad, is I have no idea how they reached those conclusions. <laughs> Do you think that uh, Texas is kind of in a unique position where we have such a, I mean, not not unique in like a solitary position, but there's, you know, a lot of other states where that aren't, like, I feel like we have a very specific and unique impression of what we think Texan is. Now, obviously I've lived in Texas my whole life, so I'm biased, but if, if, is there somebody out there who's looking at, at the map and they're from Nebraska and they see like blueberry pie on that list and they're going, blueberry pie, are you serious in Nebraska? How dare you? <laughs> like, or, I feel like Texas is kind of, it's, it, we are a very easy mark for this kind of manipulation. Yeah. <laughs> Because we, we do have a, a very definitive image of our state identity in our heads. Right. And so I feel like we're, we're just itching for someone to make us mad so that we can defend Texas at like any given moment. Like if, if I was <laughs> trying to generate one of these bullshit maps for my own website to get clicks and comments, then it, it would be like California, easy. Texas, easy. Like all these, like a variety, like New York is probably pretty easy. Like all these are, are fairly easy. And then I get to... Utah or something and I'm like I don't I have no idea what would offend these people I have no idea what would make them the most angry I think that's why I a lot of the maps that I've kind of even been seeing there usually will be something kind of unique for the most recognizable states like a California Texas a Florida New York but it almost seems there will be like a inevitably it will be like, all right, so basically the whole Midwest is being like labeled as this, even though I'm sure there is some diversity there. And I, I always feel like whoever makes these maps in order to real to, the last, if, if you didn't get outraged by your state or even if it was correct, like what they put in your state, if, if what your state wasn't did wasn't enough to make you share, then they'll put something random on some state, usually pretty far up North that you would like think you'd forget about, and then it'll be it'll be like a complete outlier of like not a single other state on the map has that. It's like completely out of left field. Like I, I can't think of a good example, but I don't know. It'll be like the one state in the entire country to say that Carl's Jr. is their favorite fast food restaurant. Like it, like everyone else will have something else and then they'll put that for just Minnesota. And it's like that's the last thing that will grab you is like, huh, I wonder what's going on in Minnesota that they're different from everyone else around them. 
I feel like it's almost a confirmation bias because I feel like they almost are playing to the fact that you see those places as isolated. So it's like, I wonder what crazy stuff they're into since they're so isolated and have nothing better to do. Like, it's like really playing into that. <laughs> Either that or there's, I mean, the population is so low in like South Dakota that there's just one connoisseur. Um, with that being said, I, I'm going to go ahead and take it away from, from Travis and talk about my rant for today. Now that we're in uh, mid-November, it is uh, flu season. Mm. And that means that you should be getting your flu vaccination. And I'm not really here to debate the efficacy of vaccines in general because that rant is uh, beneath even me. (laughs) But I would like to talk about the people who believe that, in general, vaccines do work, but for some reason don't personally believe in getting the flu shot which has always bugged me and I finally have a platform to yell at nobody about things that bug me. (laughs) So I've heard a lot of people provide a lot of different reasons for why they believe this. Um, Like for example, I don't like needles. Well, grow up, try being an adult (laughs) or the flu shot has never worked for me. Well, yeah, you just have bad luck. I mean, sometimes it's, it's not going to work a hundred percent of the time, basically, right? It's not chicken pox. So Science is trying the best they can, and sometimes you're still going to get sick. And I feel like if you don't get the vaccine, it's not like you're any less likely to get sick, right? You're just, you're, you're the same or less chance. So you're, you're putting a, a false, you just don't, you don't know how it works, basically. That's not a good excuse. A lot of people say they don't need it if somebody else or if everybody else has it, which, uh, how about you consider how many other morons are also making that dumbass argument before you try to say that again? And if, by the way, if you're one of the listeners that we have that's below the age of six months, then you can uh, you get a pass on this argument. <laughs> that's fair. If you're under the age of six months, then you're right. You don't need it if everyone else has it. You're too young. But for everybody else, right, right. You should be part of the herd. If you're an adult without any... And by an adult in this instance, I mean above the age of six months because I went to the CDC website <laughs> before recording. It's it's anyone with extenuating medical circumstances, which is very rare, or under the age of six months. So you don't get a pass just because if everyone else has it, you don't need it. Because a lot of other stupid people are making that argument. So get a flu shot. Finally, a lot of people like to say, um, I've never had the flu vaccine and I also have never had the flu. So... To that, I just have to say, just wait till time catches up to you, you reckless son of a bitch, because one day your luck is going to run out, and it may be this year. You never know. The bottom line is, a lot of people, for some reason, tend to think it's like some sort of badass decision, like some dumb thing to brag about, and it's really not, and it's not like people are going around, I mean, unless you're my dad, not going around and asking you if you got your flu shot, right? (laughs) You either get it. Or you don't, and people really don't tend to ask about it a lot. But for some reason, the people that don't get it like act like it's some sort of hill to die on where they have to prove that, oh, I don't need it because I've never gotten the flu. Well, that's just, I mean, you should still get it. It's not like it's going to increase your chances of getting the flu, right? And I know the, the idea of a vaccine with the flu is that you may feel bad for a day, but not that bad. It's a dead vaccine, so... I, I just, I don't know. I, for some reason, th- this hasn't come up recently, but um, 
I remember this being a huge thing last year when I first started my job was like everyone in the office was talking about how they didn't get the vaccine, which you realize that you're all telling one another that you didn't get the vaccine, right? It's not that concept of herd immunity doesn't really work out when nobody has it in the workplace. So, I mean, I did my part. I got mine. But uh, I've heard this before. A lot of people tend to take it as a point of pride, and I don't understand it. I don't know if that's something that you guys have noticed in the past before or not. Mm -hmm. Have have either of you had the flu before? I I have been diagnosed with the flu twice. Both times I got the flu shot that year, but it it wasn't like – obviously it wasn't life-threatening, but it it sucked. I think I I got it a couple times while pretty young, like – either as like a middle school or maybe even high school, but probably even younger than that. I got it a couple times, but <clears throat> I feel like m- my thing overall is that like, I maybe I'm just lucky, but I have found it so easy to get the flu shot that it's not even something I really have to make a conscious decision of. Usually someone will just ask me in the course of my day to day at some point in the fall, Hey, do you want a flu shot? I'll say, yeah. And they'll give it to me almost usually for free. Even like when we, when I went, when we went to A&M frequently on campus, they would just have a fleet of doctors or nurses in the library or something. And it would take five minutes and I'd be like, yeah, I'll get a shot. And I'll, I would just go get the flu shot. Right. Or if I go to the doctor anytime between like August and December. So a decent chunk of the year, like a third of the year. If you go during that time, usually they'll be like, Hey, for five bucks or sometimes even free, they'll be like, we'll just give you a flu shot. I'll be like, sure. I've gone to CVS to get random drinks and they will advertise free flu shots. People are begging you to give you (laughs) flu shots. You don't have to have insurance. You don't have to have anything. They're just begging you to get immunized to the flu. And (laughs) I just feel like I have not gone out of my way to get a flu shot. In like a decade, and it just has. I know I'm blessed to have healthcare and go to a doctor and all those things, but even I would say over half the times have not been at my, like an actual doctor requiring insurance. Just different locations I found myself in have offered me free flu shots. I'd be like, okay, it's just I feel like <laughs> you have to make a conscious decision to avoid a free flu shot in order to go without getting the flu. It's almost the thing that frustrates me more is that it's not even like I'd understand if it was expensive or even if it was a super time consuming process, but it's really not like at all. I don't know. I don't, I don't really have much to add onto that. I just, it's always uh, frustrating to me that that's for some reason, some sort of like badass thing that people brag about. And it's really, um, no one is impressed by you. Even other people who don't get like, I've never heard a conversation where two people are like, someone's like, yeah, I don't, I don't get the flu shot. I never get the flu anyway. Uh, last time I got the flu shot, I got sick. And then somebody else, like the, the, if there's someone else in the conversation who also subscribes to that flawed philosophy, they'd never say like, badass man. Yes. I a hundred percent on site. Yeah. Great work. They're always like, Oh yeah, <laughs> me too. I like no one is for some reason independently. They're proud of it, but they're in- incapable of forming a union. Because they know it's wrong deep down. <laughs> but that's uh, unless unless either of you have anything else else to say about it. Um, that's that wraps up all the points that I was trying to make. I think I'm good. Uh, so that leaves uh, I guess 
me to start the positive rant. Is that true? Yeah, that would be correct. Zach. Uh, I want to hear more of you. Yeah, right. Back to back. But before we get there, though, um, typically uh, without a guest on the show, Paul and I would uh, pull a topic from a hat and enter into the random rant portion of the show right now. Uh, I just want to jump in here. We don't do that on guest shows because of time constraints. We want to uh, give everyone enough time to have uh, a positive and a negative rant, all three of us. Um, so we skip the random rant portion, but uh, whenever there's not a guest on the show, we do it. And we are now out of random rants as of episode 26. So uh, if you want to contribute random rant topics to the show, please email us at notallbadshow at gmail.com. <laughs> And the subject line, random rant idea. You can put your ideas in the email body. Um, and we'll add it to a list that Paul and I don't open. Uh, it's like an Excel sheet. So we never actually see the topic you submit until um, we're live on the show. So it's kind of like an improv thing. It's a lot of fun. If you have anything that makes you mad throughout the day, we would really appreciate it if you just uh, submit it in an email to notallbedshow at gmail.com. Yeah, and I'm going to hop in here really quick and say... I've had multiple friends tell me that they have rant ideas for the random rant idea, like section, you know who you are and you should go ahead and send them in. Yeah. We're waiting. You should do it. And I don't, I don't know you. I don't know Paul's friends and I also think you should send them in. So that's, I'm an outside perspective and I agree. So that means you have to do it. That that's called a double blind study or something. Uh, just do it, please. We really need them. Um, so yeah, with that being said, we can we can get into the positive rant section. Uh, I've kind of come to the realization that the quality of the show has a chance to be improved if I actually attempt to uh, cater my rants to something that our guests may actually be able to contribute to, if possible. Uh, so with that being said, I'd like to talk about national parks today, which oh. I feel like Travis is a big fan of, uh, and Paul, I think you are too. I, I don't really have I am. anything specific to mention. Um, but look, there's a lot that you can criticize America for, um, like just a tremendous insurmountable mound of criticism that you can levy against this country. But uh, I think her natural beauty has never been in question, despite industry's best efforts to change that. And, uh, I I'm going to be honest here. I don't really know if I've ever even personally been to a national park, which is <laughs> kind of impressive because I did do quite a bit of camping as a kid, but I have been to a lot of state parks uh, in and out of Texas, so I hope that establishes some sort of credibility. But anyway, um, I'd really just like to discuss the concept of national parks in general, which on paper is, is kind of tremendous. I mean, I've always kind of felt that there's a massive variety of nature within America. I mean, it's a huge country by land area anyway, but... Um, Travis, being from Alaska, I, you're, I'm sure you're aware of just the huge amount of disparity between the natural landscape of Alaska versus Texas or L.A. or whatever. Uh, and, and everything in between, for the most part, I feel like is covered in some capacity within the United States. We've got like forests and glaciers and deserts and prairie and all kinds of really interesting climates that uh i just i think it's really cool how there's just such a wide spectrum and i think the national parks do a really good job of capturing a majority of that and in theory uh protecting them from 
kind of outside influence. Uh, I, I just really like that it's a concept that exists. I think America, if my understanding is correct, and I didn't really do a lot of research before, but was pretty early in attempting to preserve that. Um, I think we have a lot of figures in our history to thank for recognizing uh, America's natural beauty and, and trying to preserve it um, before uh, a lot of kind of the the struggles of industry and industrial revolution and the Gilded Age and other things kind of took advantage of areas that were not protected. But uh, I, I really like the idea that there are places that exist out there that are owned by the government and protected by the government that are open to the public for people to experience uh, everything that America has to offer in terms of the natural world, which is uh, it, it does so in abundance. Um, and that's really kind of all that I specifically that I had, had written out that I'd like to talk about today. But uh, I, it, I, I think it's just su- a super cool concept. And I, I like that it exists a lot. Yeah, I, um, I've had the opportunity that I've actually been to a decent amount of national parks. Um, my parents, as I was growing up, they almost made a point of like for our family vacations that they wanted us to be able to experience national parks as opposed to what some things that may seem like more exciting, uh, vacations. Usually our family vacations included a road trip to some national park. Um, and honestly, it's some of my favorite vacations have been in national parks. And there is something really cool about the idea that nearly every state has some sort of park, whether state park or a national park, uh, to offer that has unique geography from the other 49 states. And, um, I don't know I've been camping and different things before in areas that weren't like protected declared national parks or national forests before. And to some extent, a lot of those campsites, you get the impression that it's like almost an industrialized, like it's, it's almost an industry that it's like you're going there to camp and like, yeah. sure you get your little slice of nature, but there's a road leading right up to it. And if you explore a little bit too far, like you're going to notice all these buildings or you're going to notice, I don't know, all sorts of things that remind you that this nature is very controlled. But I, something that I kind of love is that we almost, <clears throat> with National Parks have set aside land that very specifically is like, sure, there are there are systems in place to control certain aspects of it, for the mo- but for the most part, it's pretty, it's allowed to remain wild. And that's what's been kind of cool. I, it's been a while since I've been to a National Park but at some point a few years ago, I went to a national forest and there's something pretty special about like being truly isolated and truly like, like it's almost cliche to be like, say like in nature, but to some extent there's a difference between being in nature in a small, in the woods, but you can still hear cars from the highway versus you're in nature. And it's like, (laughs) as dangerous as it sounds, it's like, other than some other people who may be experiencing it with you and may come across, you may run to people like every few hours or something. If you're like hiking or something for the most part, it's, it remains truly wild and there are still animals and plants growing, uh, on, 
n- not hindered at all. It's it's a really special experience that I'm thankful that it's protected like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I was getting at. Yeah, I, I agree. Travis, is there yeah, anything you want to contribute? You, you were you talked kind of about the history of it, and I, that's something I learned about a little bit more recently that it really kind of blew my mind of how early of a how kind of innovative it was really radical actually you know at the time that this was proposed you know like you said especially because industry was so you know booming at the time the industrial revolution and really it doesn't didn't have a lot of equivalents around the world you know there were other protected lands and some other like nature areas but not really protected without a purpose in the way that so much of like the early national parks were. Mm-hmm. And it's always surprising to me when you like, like the grand Canyon and the national park and some of like the first ones is like, you know, that president Roosevelt, the first one um, designated. And it's like, Oh, that like, that was in like 1919, like which simultaneously feels like a really long time ago and also really recent. Yeah. And how we've like continued that, you know, of course they're like, slogan that they can use in marketing and stuff too is like America's best idea. Yeah. But it's hard to argue with that too, because it's so hard to find another example of something that's been so successful and and universally beneficial and universally beneficial. Like it's, you know, of course there's always outside interest and stuff for, you know, some sort of modification or changes or reform or whatever, but generally like it's probably one of the few things that the government does that, is so widely supported. Yeah. And, you know, I always wish that more people had the opportunity to spend more time in the parks and even outside of like the national park system, like you mentioned, the national forests, I think are easily Mm -hmm. overlooked Yeah, when they get so much, they have so much of the, like of an important purpose as well. And then once you really consider the, once you add in the amount of national parks, national forests, national wildlife refuges, state parks, mural land management, like especially the further West you go, the more of it you get, right. but how much of a conscious effort was put into like, you know, we should maybe just set aside these, you know, millions of acres here and there for no purpose other than to keep it. Right. Um, not mm-hmm. like to save it for later or to whatever, but just like it, it has inherent value, mm-hmm. which I think is what was so radical from an early time said so like oh the land is ours to use versus like maybe we should leave some land that can exist just for the sake of it yeah having existed yeah and i think the national parks especially have an interesting role because it's partially like to get people out to see it but also a preservation and conservation role and i think that's always just from a logistic standpoint really interesting of like how do you Very you know especially at places like yeah grand canyon yosemite yellowstone redwoods when millions of people want to go every year it's like you want to make sure millions of people can see it because you know it's it the parks do belong to us um but also in a way that doesn't actually ruin it and i think that's really challenging i think they've done a good job of it yeah but but i guess your first point is i'm always the more I kind of spend time thinking about it, the more I'm just amazed at how just because of the way things worked out in the U S and manifest destiny or whatnot. And just like even a position on the earth is like, you know, we're a big country, but not huge. 
you know, there's a lot, there's several countries that are bigger than the U.S., but it's like the fact that you have, you know, like the Everglades and, you know, Hawaii and like the glaciers in Alaska and like the deserts and the, you know, Texas and yeah. you know, the redwoods. And it's, it's so different that, in the same place. That aspect That's, in particular has always fascinated me like the most out of everything. I think as a kid, well, mm-hmm. I mean, I know as a kid and I think like as lame as this is probably as a kid, like growing up playing like childish video games and stuff, having the concept of like an ice world or like a forest, like a grass world, you know, like, Mm -hmm. or like cartoons where there's the elements or what I like, like the avatar, the last airbender, like stuff like stupid stuff like that. Right. I think that those lame examples from being a kid kind of translated into this fascination where you just stand back and look at the scope of everything that the United States encompasses. And there's like a little bit of everything somewhere right for in terms of all the different climates and ge- type geographies and stuff are represented mostly except for some probably some extremely niche examples somewhere in mm. the US and and I think that a lot of that is preserved I mean if you look at just the names of national parks right you've got like Everglades National Park and Glacier National Park and things like that that um, mm. kind of even the names themselves indicate just the massive scope of preservation that's that they do, which is is always very impressive to me. And that's probably the single most interesting aspect to me. But yeah, in general, I I uh, I, I I just love the concept and and uh, I, I think it's a very cool thing that we do. And and like we said before, one of the few examples of something that I think is pretty much universally beneficial for everyone. Um, and I think that's awesome. And, and so that's pretty much all I had to say about it. Um, if, if no further comments uh, are to be made, then, then Travis, feel free to, to take the discussion in your direction. All right. Well, I feel like mine kind of spurred off of, I think streaming services or whatnot came up in the past. Yeah. And this is something that's kind of been bouncing around in my head recently. But when you started talking about the streaming services, I kind of was like, oh, like this is something that I have really grown to appreciate. And it's having, and of course, you know, this isn't necessarily a new thing with the internet, with streaming services, but obviously having the internet and streaming services has made it like infinitely easier to access Mm -hmm. is watching or like both music and TV shows and movies. But in this example, I'm really thinking of like movies and TV shows, like foreign media, I think is something I've really grown to enjoy. And it's, we're very lucky to be able to access now just because like I said, well, you could probably see that if you traveled or, you know, somehow we're got, you know, a VHS or something from another country, it'd be very hard to access in the past. But now right. it's like, oh, I can, you know, flip on Netflix and watch, you know, a, a show that was, you know, filmed in Spain or France or China. And I think that's really interesting. And, you know, as long as you're generally able to learn a language or read su- or read subtitles, um, you can you can have access to that. And I think what's especially interesting about that is you get different perspectives on on what might be a familiar storyline 
it just from told from a completely different perspective or a different storyline and you have to it's a little sometimes can be a little challenging or possibly confusing because they don't necessarily rely on the same like tropes that you're used to and i think it's caused me to view a lot of movies and tv shows differently because you realize that like oh when you have a lot of the same you know production companies and film companies and stuff all in one market they tend to rely on kind of the shared traditions that they've used before if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah and just like the way you kind of expose information to the audience or maybe tell a story you know while a lot of the stuff has been done in hollywood has influenced film and whatnot around the world there's also opportunities for them to do something differently um not necessarily by any intentional move but just by the way things are done culturally um, makes for a really interesting story and i think can sometimes lead to a bad viewing experience but oftentimes a very good experience and i think a lot of people tend to shy away from what would be very good tv shows or movies and i've done it as well because you're like oh well it's like a foreign film or something um and a lot of times like the trailers are not the best yeah um Mm -hmm. but just kind of making the leap and watching that is always something i found very rewarding Um, paul you're the resident uh media expert (laughs) which is such a low bar just being me being the only (laughs) co-host other co-host but uh I, i personally i don't i barely watch media anyway from america so i don't know if uh, so I haven't really seen anything foreign. Um, it sounds like I should, but do you uh, do you watch anything foreign from time to time? I do. It, it's something <clears throat> I think I've only recently gotten into to some extent. Um, <clears throat> I, I feel like, as much as I like media, I feel like it's only kind of recently that I've strayed from just mainstream themes and to some extent I'm actually going to cover this a little bit in my topic that I'm about to mention but um yeah it's it's cool that that especially foreign movies and shows and things are such a good opportunity to there's such a reflection of culture in other places like I even remember just in high school for assignments having to watch for Spanish classes, having to watch uh, TV shows in Spanish, whether they be from Spain or Mexico or wherever. And even though I couldn't fully understand them, you just get a sense for either certain values or culturally what they respond to in terms of whether something's really extreme and obvious or whether something's really subtle uh, and how they relay information that you kind of get a set or like what you can even get a sense for like what things they find offensive because like maybe something that would just be a normal comment in our culture would would, would suddenly be like a big deal and seen as passive aggressive in another culture it, it is cool that media is and in the entertainment that, that other countries export is a really good opportunity to see that and it's, it's actually something that I'm making a more active effort now to do more of because I feel like I, every time I do it, I enjoy it. And so it's silly that when given the opportunity to watch things, I still go to what's comfortable or what I'll, I know for a fact I'll like, as opposed to taking some risks 
but it is really cool like you said travis that uh with streaming and with especially the internet not just streaming that we have access to that media from other countries it really does afford us an opportunity to experience what they are more regularly um watching and experiencing and it, it is a good way to understand other cultures better it's even in like just minor things that i would for example like if you watch a show from wherever and you know part of it takes place in like a school or something the you realize very quickly how different like another country's education system might be yeah mm-hmm. and just the way that they're or, it's organized just stuff that you didn't necessarily think you'd ever care about and maybe don't but and you would never find out on your own without having watched a show that takes place in a school and you're like oh i guess that you know they wear uniforms or they you know they go home you know for the middle of the day and just different things and like how it operates and just little things like that do give you a window that isn't just like a tour guide level of like cultural understanding that's a good point actually mm-hmm. and that reminds me that i have seen one uh piece of uh foreign media and that's the sitcom the in-betweeners from england <laughs> um and i learned a lot of really funny british curse words yeah. <laughs> um and that's it but i you're right i mean jokes aside though i mean that was really in- an interesting look into like um what high school was like for them and what uh kind of their expectations of like what fun was and there's an episode where they try to go to a, a bar and and buy beer which is a lot easier for high schoolers in england because i guess the drinking age yeah. is 18 rather than 21 and uh-huh. so they're trying to pass off as, themselves as 18 rather than 21 and the shenanigans that follow uh-huh. and things like that so that i mean now that you mentioned i mean it's a comedy and it's not intended to be necessarily representative of anything but it's a good point and I, I kind of see, like, I, I understand your points from that, uh, the worst example, but uh, something that I can still even then see what you're getting at. And I, I think an interesting example, not to just throw out tons of recommendations or something, but a, a show called um, Deutschland 83. It takes place in 1983 in Germany, but it's like, we're so, I think, saturated with, examples of the 80s in media yeah. that obviously a lot of it is there's a huge overlap between like the u.s and germany in the 80s but it's like you also have to remember like oh like the berlin wall was still right up. yeah and so like germany in the 80s was a very different place than even the germany now and america in the 80s and so just like seeing what and it's not even <laughs> like even at times when they're not trying to make it obvious of like oh the cold war and the wall is just they're just reflecting what everyone in that country's experiences were anyone who was old enough to remember it like just things that they would show as normal can be very interesting to an american audience because you're like oh i guess that is something that was happening then or something that day-to-day life they had to consider um, that isn't necessarily like a big part of the plot or anything so yeah yeah Mm -hmm. just kind of the way the characters kind of they you know have a perspective on an issue that in like i said they can kind of approach it from like the filmmakers can approach it in a way that doesn't isn't necessarily answered by like a formula that we necessarily use uh, could be mm-hmm. very cool so yeah I think that's it for me 
the most culturally relevant uh, and aware topic that we've had on the show, but a good, a really good, <laughs> a really good perspective. I like that. <clears throat> Paul, Paul, feel free to uh, to dive into your topic today. All right, yeah. Um, my topic today is um, perks that accompany jobs, whether expected or unexpected, before you take them. <clears throat> um, so. I, it's kind of a fun thing that like with your job, like obviously jobs, all, all jobs have like upsides and downsides. Um, and like, obviously you get compensated in terms of pay, hopefully if you're in a, a real job. Uh, but, uh, a lot of times jobs will have perks and by, by perks, what I mean is since I'm in the video industry, I get to interact with a lot of cool types of technologies. Like if we have, a client who decides they want a video in 360, it becomes part of my job to interact with 360 cameras, learn how they work, uh, and figure out how to make VR videos. Um, or even just in general, I get to interact, I get to utilize pretty cool pieces, cool types of computers, because we need powerful computers to use to do our job that I wouldn't uh, get to otherwise. So th those are pretty straightforward ones. But another one uh, <clears throat> that I've had the opportunity to experience is that uh, through the type of job that I have, we have a relationship with uh, the, like the Fort Worth, like film society. And through that, I have the opportunity to get to go to the Lone Star film festival this weekend, which is hosted in Fort Worth. Uh, which is why I was saying that this is <laughs> tangentially related to Travis's topic a little bit. And so it's pretty cool that I get the opportunity <laughs> because my job is related to video. I now have the opportunity to for free go to uh, <clears throat> a film festival, which I've actually never been to any sort of film festival. So I'm really excited about yeah. uh, And I wouldn't, would not have sought this out without having the job opportunity, but I get the opportunity because I have, a job in this industry. Um, but what, do, what kind of perks do you guys feel like you have through your jobs? Like, like whether small things, like I said, like I get to interact with a cool camera lens that I might not have otherwise, but what do you guys experience? Uh, Travis, do you want to, do you want to start? I was just seeing how long we could hold that silence. Yeah. I'm not gonna <laughs> <laughs> to, to make, to make Paul feel really bad. <laughs> oh man, I ruined it. Well, you know what I'll do is I'll edit in a massive gap, like four and a half minutes. <laughs> and we'll just clip in little parts gone. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you feel, so yeah, go ahead. The nature of my job is kind of interesting, I guess, because we don't really have an office yet so i'm mostly working from home slash from a co-working space so um i'd say what's surprising to get used to but also can be a perk is a fair amount of like autonomy with my time because mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of what i have to get done is just like i have a lot of things that need to get done and so if i as long as i'm getting them done or like i can move you know work earlier work later as long as like if i do need to do something in the middle of the day or run an errand um that's i guess a perk that i can think mm -hmm. of yeah um i i uh 
for certain circumstances can't go into detail of what I do. So I'll just leave it. Well, that's a perk itself. Yeah. Well, first of all, that is the <laughs> most badass way to answer like what your job is. Is I way exaggerate and I, I say can't like tell you. exactly. I, my answer is always like I'm afraid I'm not allowed to talk about it, which is, and that saves you from having to explain. Right. It. And it's such a, it's such an exaggeration. <laughs> the ultimate perk. But it makes me feel <laughs> badass, and it it it's people get really interested, and so the conversation is maintained like if i'm meeting someone for the first Everyone's time like damn like zach's a spook i'm so like. mysterious um so you're <laughs> right that is a that's probably the biggest perk in fact like that's on <laughs> par with the paycheck is how it's how cool i feel <laughs> in saying that um but outside of the meta of of not being able to talk about the specifics i'll just leave it at the idea that um like paul said uh kind of in a different way but i use and uh, am exposed to a wide variety of some really cool technology um, that are it's fun to use and fun to learn about and stuff like that so um, that's that's probably what I would say is is a perk is um, I do a lot of cool stuff that I can't talk about and then being able to say that I can't talk about it is just so juicy it's cool <clears throat> yeah I <laughs> Honestly, it's okay if you all it's don't just, have more it is, examples. It is, a sh- it is a shame that you can't talk about how you run the Masons. I, I, Whoa, hey, hey. <laughs> Sorry, edit that I'm going to cut out. all that out. <laughs> and, you, and then I'm going to yeah. kill you. Cut that out. Cut the section where I talk about you overthrowing regimes <laughs> in South America, and then we'll call it. Yeah, you. fair. <laughs> I guess I won't call anything after I've been assassinated. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, that's everything, Paul. Uh, unless you'll have more perks that have come to mind, that's about all I had to say. Is that it's kind of cool when you have things added to your job that aren't part of the description necessarily, or they they're not things you may have expected to be like, oh wow, this is a thing that actually makes me excited about my job. But it's kind of and nice you when you have those perks, and you wouldn't necessarily get access to in your own mm-hmm. private life. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> well. um Thank you for sharing, Paul. Um, before we wrap up the show today, uh, I'd just like to remind everybody that I'm going to remember all of them this time. We're available on SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, and iTunes. And you can find us on Twitter at Not nice. All Bad Show. Overcast. I, do I need uh, – is that like a, a legitimate request that I get I get, uh, get us on Overcast? You already are. Oh, is it – okay. Just, oh, just that how? How is that – How? <laughs> I guess I think they pull their thing off of Apple. Okay, I don't know. You're on they there must. Though. That's how I listen uh, to the show. Okay, uh, I I didn't know. I've always thought about that, but I was like, ah, I'm not gonna put in the effort. But apparently, they already did for me. So thanks, Overcast. <laughs> uh, so we're available on SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, and Overcast, um, and Twitter at Not All Bad Show. And please uh, email us at notallbadshow at gmail if you are interested in being a guest like Travis was today, or if you have a random rant idea, uh, for our random rant segment, um, we need either, we need one or the other for, for episode 29. So somebody's got to do one or the other in our email inbox before the next episode. So please, you got two weeks clock starts now. Um, and if you liked what you heard today, it would mean a lot if you 
pass the show on to a friend. I, I don't know about you, Paul, but I've been getting a lot of good personal feedback lately, and it's just warmed my heart. So thank you so much to anyone who's uh, told me that you've enjoyed the show recently. Yeah, I we we really appreciate personal feedback, whether you know us personally or not, whether through a review or just texting us or emailing the show. We do have a show email, as we've probably mentioned at least 10 or 15 times this yeah, episode This episode already. alone. Um, let us know uh, what you like about the show. Don't tell us what you don't like. We only want positive feedback. <laughs> you can tell me. Uh, or you can tell <laughs> iTunes reviews. Leave a five-star rating and then just tell us what you don't like in the review. That's fine. Exactly. Apparently, that helps the algorithms and searchability. I, I want to make it clear. I care but, nothing about the algorithms. I'm not expecting this to, this show <laughs> to succeed in any capacity. The, the numbers mean nothing. The math does not matter. I just want an additional review because it makes me feel good. <laughs> it, it is going to matter when you when you eventually try and get picked up by one of these venture capital um, podcast syndicates. Yeah, so. one of the roving bands <laughs> of true. capitalist podcasters you, that are doing. Once you once you get all that venture capital money from WeWork and um, all <laughs> that. one of these days, so. um, Travis, thank you so much for for being a guest on the show. It means a lot that you could join us, and we appreciate you reaching out and uh, you brought some great topics to the table today. Great. Well, I was very glad to be here. Thanks for letting yeah, me Yeah, we really appreciate it. Now, it was good to be able to contribute my thoughts live instead of a week later when I text you my my, my responses to things you said. Right. <laughs> it's always more efficient that way. Um, so, yeah, this has been episode uh, 28 of Not All Bad. I'm Zach Andrews. This is Paul Messman. And you could do your thing. And I'm Travis. Yeah. Um, so, what, what do we say here? Uh... You, you thank them and then you go into like the, the slogan. Thanks for watching. Dance like nobody's watching. Rant like nobody's. Wait, hold on. I'm, I completely butchered that because nobody's watching this. It's a podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs> it's pretty but embarrassing. You all, you, but you always say that. Dance like nobody's watching. Yeah, but I said thanks for watching, mm-hmm. didn't I? Mm-hmm. Oh. I, I stopped <laughs> listening to you several seconds ago. So I have no I'm cutting all of this. This is blooper reel content. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Dance like nobody's watching. Rant like nobody's listening.